Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon. Some call me homicidal, some call me suicidal, some call me genocidal, but I call myself Sabu. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and my guest today is... Sabu, professional wrestling, over three decades. Sabu, legendary professional wrestler. Thank you, sir. Thank you for giving me your time. How are you? Uh, thank you very much. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, getting ready to go on the road tomorrow morning, but I'm doing good. All right, and well, you're still you're still active in the in the business of professional wrestling. I do meet and greets and now and then a run in, but I, I don't wrestle no more. I uh, I can't wrestle to the standards of uh, what I used to, so I, I don't want to do it. You know, I can't. You know, I, I always try to pride myself to by doing my best and try try to be my best, and I know I can't. I'm not I'm not there anymore. Yeah, I and I definitely understand that. You know, I mean, there's a it is a weird terror on your body kind of a sport but you know what it sure is it is sure good to see you still around the uh the sport of professional wrestling and i and i me and you got to run in to each other in south texas a few weeks ago and was really uh really nice seeing you and and you know what there's a lot of guys your age that aren't doing it well especially with the physical career that you have yeah um, they, they, I'm, I'm not the, I'm not in the best shape, and I'm not in the worst shape either. But uh, I had to quit before I got any worse. You know, I, I'll probably have a final match, but I'm not. I've already retired. I, I'm done. But I might have a final match if, uh, if the fight is right, and it gave me three months to get in shape. You know, it gave me about three months to get my body back used to it. Uh, for one more match. Other than that, I'm not interested. I just do meet and greet and all that stuff. You know, stuff like that. But uh, but I. I do, I can fake, I can walk better than I feel. I can fake it, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Like, I just, I'll, they'll, I'll go, oh, they go, you hurt? And I'll go, no, but I am. <laughs> no. Looking over here, the history of your career, you did a lot of wrestling in the country of Japan. How did that, how did that start? How did that come about? And what, what do you think that, what do you think that did for your career? FMW, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, 
uh, the boss was officially Odita. He called my uncle, the Sheik, and wanted him to come over for a tag team tournament. And 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 Malcolm said, "Well, I want to bring my nephew. The, uh, and when he said, bring anybody you want, it doesn't matter. Uh, he just can give you the you anyway. He's the only for you anyways." So he said, "Okay." So I came. That, that was seven years into my career. That was 1991, six years into my career. You know, six and a half years into my career. I started in 1985, and uh, it just so happened. Uh, you know, that was my lucky break there, uh, and that's how I came about to get my first trip to Japan. I I made about 90 trips so far. Wow. Yeah, and my first wife was Japanese. Is Japanese, and I loved it. I loved the country. Uh, you know, I married. The wrestling culture before I got to Japan, so I was married to the business, you know. But the business in Japan was such a, a breath, breath of fresh air compared to what it was here. Because back here in the late uh, 80s, late 80s, it was cartoon wrestling. And I, I, I didn't want to get confused with that. And uh, and finally, uh, ECW came about and got out of that cartoon era. Yeah, it was definitely a uh, different style. Wrestling guys, nothing against like Dick Roberts and Hulk Hogan, nothing against those guys. You made money, but it wasn't the style I would be would have been proud of if I if I followed it. You know, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, being being the nephew of the Heek, I mean, he had a very physical, uh, uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was one of the toughest guys that I have. People always told me how tough he was, but I knew that myself. And I could see that. I, he's my uncle. I knew it. But uh, I had other guys who were super soft tell me how tough he was. And he roughly for 44 years. You know, uh, the last 10 years, you know, I was on my side. So you know, I, I helped him along. I don't have somebody by my side. I had uh, Melissa Coates, my super genie, helping me out in my later years. But she passed away. Now I. I I gave up wrestling because I don't have nobody to help me, you know, by my side, you know, like I did for my uncle and like Reza did for me earlier. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about Melissa. Um, she, she passed away a couple years ago and, and in early it'll young. Be, it will be uh, two years, June 23. Wow. Yeah. And, right. and you called her, you called her the super genie? Yeah. Yeah. She was like, you know, like a Barbie I dream of genie, but uh, jacked up on muscles, you know? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and, she, and she dressed like the I dream of genie, right? I mean, yeah. what, uh, that would make uh, everybody's fantasy of my age and maybe a little older of having a genie, you know, look like that. And I had one. Well, geeked up, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, she was a beautiful lady. And when I look back at pictures of the two of you, you really couldn't ask for a better pair, right? Yeah, because uh, throughout my career, everybody will try to get my wife to be my my uh, my my second my my genie, but uh, but she was Japanese, so I didn't want to do that. But uh, Melissa looked more like Beverly, like I do with genie, and so it fit right together and fit, you know. My my aunt uh, my aunt Joyce used to be the princess for my uncle Deceit, the Switchy and princess fifth Cooper genie was my aunt. So it uh, didn't fall far from the tree, you know what I mean? Right, right. Now, I wanted to ask you about your uncle. When uh, Obviously, I'm sure when, when you were a child, when you were much younger, uh, before you got into wrestling, did you see your uncle wrestling at, at matches like at the arena and the venue? 
Yeah, but not no life. Look, I'm from Michigan, and the big town is Detroit. But I never seen him wrestle in Detroit because we lived in Lansing. They wrestled in Detroit also. Lansing was like a house show. Detroit was the big show, you know. And uh, I said, so, so we see them in Lansing, but the only wrestling I followed at that time was him. You know, I didn't care about anybody else. But yeah, that was like, uh, three years old. I was about 15. Then I did like watching WWF wrestling and Georgia Championship wrestling, the other wrestling. Before that, I didn't know there was any other wrestling besides Big Time Wrestling. It was called Big Time Wrestling here in Michigan. And uh, I didn't know there was a uh, World Wrestling Federation or the National Wrestling Alliance or, or whatever, tournament, whatever. I never knew about those until I was about 15 or 16. Then I started, I, I stopped watching wrestling and started studying wrestling. Like, I don't watch wrestling. It. I studied it. It was a big di- the difference between watching them and studying. It was like, all right, least, the least I could do. Take notes. You know, I took notes. Even in my sleep, I think of a high spot in my sleep. I'd wake up and write it down and go back to sleep. To, to, I'm thinking wild stuff in my dreams, but when I wake up, I forget them, you know. They're, right. my, my wildest uh, high spot came from, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote it down, you know, keep doing me in a dream. Wow. Well, when you said that you studied pro wrestling, it's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. It's obvious that you put a lot of thought into it, a lot of effort into it, because you're one of those guys, when I saw you for the first time, I mean, I was just like, wow, this guy is, this guy is scary. And, and the only wrestlers that did that prior to that was the Kingpurgers that did that for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah the Bushwhackers. Yeah. Yeah, they were blood and guts. Yeah, they were blood and guts. And even did bring them into cartoons. That's what I didn't want to do or be. And and your uncle, when I saw, like, years later, uh, matter of fact, a couple years ago, I came across uh, something with your uncle, and he was jabbing a pack of in somebody's face. And, you know, I, I just thought, wow, this is this is scary stuff. You know, it's almost like, should I be watching this? <laughs> yeah, the, I, I, when I was coming up wrestling in 1985 to 1990, everybody would just say wrestling's bullshit, but not you. You know, it, before I was Sabu, before I was saying Sabu, I was with Terry SR, Terry Nobody for five years from 1980, 1985 to about 1989. I was uh, Terry Nobody, then it became Sabu after that. But even before I was Sabu, people would say, Wrestling's bullshit, but you're not, you know, or wrestling's fake, but you're not. No, I always got that. So I took pride in, you know, I, I, I figured that, that was a good job if they believed it, you know. Some of the shit is so obviously fake and, you know, bullshit, but uh, if you can make somebody who's that determined and saying it's fake believe it, then that's a good job. Oh, yeah. Well, and and that's what I'm saying. You, your uncle, and the keeper. Uh, they did that for me, right? And when I saw you in ECW for the first time, I was just like, wow, this this guy is just different from everybody else. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Not so much yeah. anymore. I, mean, I, I know what you mean, though, but thank you. Thank you, thank yeah. you very much. And, <laughs> oh, you're, you're welcome, man, because, I mean, we kind of, I think, I think we all like wrestling to escape and, and to be entertained and and man, when would you kind of take it to the to the point where it's like, wow, 
Fun to watch and also butterfly dangerous to watch, you know. But you sometimes when I watch Immaculate of myself and I forget what spot I'm doing, I get butterflies. I don't know if I'm listening or not, you know. <laughs> right, right. Well, when I'm watching it and it hurts me, better to do it. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> hey, I apologize. <laughs> Yeah, See, that's why my back is it's all your fault. Oh, I'll probably do that. <laughs> hey, so, but when you were over in Japan, especially in the early years, I mean, I've always heard that being a very physical, a very, um, you know, a, a, I guess a strong style or a stiff uh, type of wrestling. Uh, obviously, uh, that had a lot to do maybe with the style that came afterwards, you think? Well, yeah, um, in Japan, you are allowed to hit higher than you were in the same. Now it's, it's, it's okay. Just warm in Japan. If you're too stiff in the States, you, you didn't have a job. In Japan, if you're too stiff, you had a job. So you had to be able to take it also, give it out and take it. You can't just uh, give it out, you know what I mean? And uh, so, But when I gave it out, it wasn't that stiff. The art of uh, what we do is make it look like it hurt. But not right. Yeah. If they hurt, you're doing it wrong, right? Now, if you're doing it, one thing. But if it hurts, you do you doing it wrong. <laughs> but if, well, I'm comfortable with one thing. But if it hurts, you're doing it wrong. It's not an art if you knock my feet off. If I beat my jaw to you, you know, it's an art to make it look like it. I'm sure there's some things that happen, right? That you know, accidents or there are accidents oh, yeah. that happen. Yeah, yeah, that that happens all the time, but. Uh, as long as uh, the not intentional, it's not that big of a deal, you know. Like I said, I, I get, when I give it out, I can take it. I can take more than I give, believe me. Anytime I do anything to anybody, I tell them, if I hit them too hard, they hit me back twice as hard. So whatever was too much, they give to me twice. You know, and uh, so not many people have to get in the back to me. <laughs> when you look over your career, Sabu, is there like, a, a, a few wrestlers that just kind of stand out in your mind that, wow, man, you know, I, I like wrestling that guy. Or, I mean, did you have well, them? Well, when I first started wrestling, my uncle said, for me, the pattern my style or what I want to wrestle like after three great guys, three great wrestlers, and, and not counting him, but I counted him. And one of them was Jimmy Stucker, the other was uh, Tiger Mouse, the other one was Liger. And then the, the real one was the Sheik. Both four together make up Sabu. And, and I can say you Liger off at that much. It's, it's the sheep, you need to look good. And Tiger Mask, that makes Sabu, in my mind, you know. Why I could be they can each, each guy. Most of that did for my uncle, like, you know, it served me. <laughs> but he gave that to me, I didn't tell you. You know, first you came Sabu, when I first left with I was Terry S-R, S period, R period. I don't know what it meant, never told me, I never asked him. Then after five years, he named me Fabu the Elephant Boy. And and uh, I considered that a God-given name because he named me Fabu. I had no idea what Elephant Boy was or Fabu was. Like, uh, I was followed his lead. He, he, he named me Fabu, so that was it. But so for the Elephant Boy, the Elephant Boy means like a cowboy. You heard elephant, but in India. So we we would say I was from India and I was a, a cowboy, uh, Elephant Boy, or he was Elephant, but I didn't hear Elephant Nobody ever says that here. So we cut off the elephant boy and the kept Sabu, and then I made that my trademark for letters. 
that really have no meaning other than it's a unique name. And my uncle named me after the actor in the Jungle Book, fabulous actor. He played Mobley in the Jungle Book, the Jungle Boy. But the actor name was fabulous, so he named me after him because he, he liked that actor, the, the Jungle Book. Right. Do we need a Fabian star on the Hollywood Walk of Dead? It's not me, of course not. It's the author from the Jungle Book star. But it should be you. <laughs> I can cure it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in all honesty, if not me, and I, w- I wouldn't do that. But that's funny. But uh, but it, there is there was a real guy that moved before me. You know, uh, and it was my uncle Bible. He was an adult when my uncle was a baby, a kid. Well, hey, what was it so much about professional wrestling that you like? I mean, I, you still like it, but I mean, what is it? I mean, um. I guess it might be different for for everybody, but it's it's obviously that you have a passion for professional wrestling. Yeah, I have a passion for wrestling. I watch amateur wrestling all the time too. You know, I'm not an amateur wrestler anymore. I'm not a professional wrestler anymore either. But I still watch and appreciate amateur wrestling. Most people who watch pro wrestling, uh, amateur wrestling, too boring for them, or they don't get it. But I do. And so I like uh, all all types of wrestling, really. You know. But I still watch, you know, amateur wrestling. It's, it's, uh, it's just things versus Ohio State on TV. I watch it. And you get TV, I watch it. But if the Federation's on TV, I watch it. You know, don't matter. You know, wrestling's on, I watch it. And uh, I will study it like I used to. But, uh, you know, uh, I should, you know. And that's the first advice I did most anybody besides lifting weights, getting in shape, is go study wrestling. Stop watching it. Stop watching wrestling and study it. You don't watch it for the finish. Or the promos, you study it, see how they do it, and what they say. You're not up watching it and not studying it. You, you're caught up in watching it. You you you, you got to break through that. You got to study it. Right? Yeah, you gotta you gotta look at little things that you know the entrances, what how the crowd reacts, right? Yeah. You know what they you are watching. Walking through the ring, it's not as easy as it looks. Not as easy as it looks. To look cool, you know. What I mean, sometimes it all looks so cool walking to the ring, but it's not as easy as it looks, you know. But when trip or whatever, you know. <laughs> but as you all basically practiced and going over a thousand, thousand times before you do it one time in front of anybody, you know. I I, right. I trained the two years before I had my first match. I started training in nineteen eighty three and had the first match in nineteen eighty five, and then uh, my first match in Japan was nineteen ninety one, and then I made a living after that. Before that, I made a living. I made uh, less than hundred dollars match. My fourteen years was in Ontario. Uh, uh, we wrestled every day, yeah, two summers, uh, every day for like three months. Uh, it was uh, Dave McKeithney, Dave the Bear Man. He lived he, here, um, and up dying. He grew up a cliff with the uh, Adonis, and uh, they died in a car crash. But uh, before that, uh, that's where I started. It was uh, we worked out of Bayview and Ontario from from Windsor all the way up to Montreal. It was a Highway 401, it goes all the way to Montreal, and we were down and off that highway, off the Milan, all the way to Montreal, all the way back on a, for two years. And, uh, you know, that was, the, and I refereed also every match. I refereed and wrestled the, I, I wrestled the first match, and refereed the rest of the matches for the first two years. Oh, wow. What did Sabu do before pro wrestling? Did you work at a hotel? Were you going to score from the floor? What no. Before pro wrestling was high school, so and I had job, you know, uh, hanging drywall and stuff like that until 1991 when I could quit all those jobs and and make a living at wrestling. 
but I, you, my specialty was being in drywall, not necessarily finishing drywall, but hanging it to lose you know, a backbreaker, you know, most times they like it, and I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a tiring, it's a tiring job, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I give those guys all the respect in the world, I was one of them, I was a drywaller, you know, I was a hanger, not a finisher. The hanger was tough. Wow. Anyway, that's what I did and wrestled until 1991 when I went to Japan, I didn't have to do that no more. That's wrestling full time. When I look back over your history and saw all the time that you spent in Japan, it, it was like a light bulb for me. It was like, wow, man, that's why he's Sabu. <laughs> well, um, the team, up until that point, I wrestled like everybody else. Uh, first match guy. The highest spot I ever did was the leapfrog and the drop kick or backdrop. I never did nothing off the top rope, never did nothing out of the ring, no chairs, no bleeding, none of that stuff. And then when we went to Japan, before we did get to go out to the ring, there's 5,000 people out there, so Jill, I'm scared of death. And I said to my uncle, what do you want me to do that's different tonight to get over? I finally put what I'm trained to do, what I've been doing, and it'll be like everybody else. You don't do that stuff. What do you do in the backyard when you think I'm not watching? I go, what do you mean? Do you know what I mean? Because I used to do some crazy stuff when he was watching because you know I'm going to do crazy stuff. Everyone learned, well, I need to learn wrestling first. And I did. But I, I do crazy stuff when he wasn't looking. You know, you know, back flips here and there and all that stuff. So I used to do that stuff. When you think I'm not watching, you do that stuff. Do that stuff now. Do that stuff in one minute. We just roll out that cage, uh, out that curtain. Do that stuff. But I told you not to do. Now do it. <laughs> and then I did. And uh, and uh and I didn't name none of my moves like Iranian press or even a face buster or triple jump. I didn't name those. The Japanese did. They go, what do you call that move that you did? I go, what's funny move? Did Arabian press though? I go, oh, I called the Arabian press then. You know. No, I never named any of my moves. Almost any of my moves. They're about all. Japanese, Arabian this, Arabian that, face busters this, face busters that. You know, I didn't even that. They did. Wow. But I went with it. Yeah. So my uncle said that was, I had, I had, I had a gift because I could connect with the people without saying a word. I don't say a word and they cheer for me or they just not want to meet you, whatever. But I don't say, give me a cheer for me. And, uh, I don't get them. I'm not a cheerleader. They, they, they do it on their own. So that's a gift. That's not, that's not a force. I try wrestling like a heel. They don't take me like a heel. They still pop for mice. I, I made the guy with the chair legal. You know, before that, he died the chair and you could gotten the referee's back. You know, the referee's seen and he got the skulls back. Now, you do it in front of the referee. You don't do that. You know, I made it illegal. Right. You know, not alone. I didn't make it alone legal. You know, with the help of the ECW and FMW, of course. But, you know, before that, uh, when you use a chair or a table, it was in a, a, a special match, special stipulation where anything goes or a street fight, something like that. But I made it ordinary or every day that you use a table and a match. Of course, the table. Everybody, uh, how many tables do you have tonight? You know, it, 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 I heard that all the time now. It, no more a table. That's crazy. I would use tables. Like, how many tables? You know? And before that, there, there was a table before I started doing that. Like, there was a table break there and there. But but not as a style, not as a uh, everyday ice block, you know. Right, right. You only keep counting as a headlock doing something with a table. It, well, when you buy a wrestling, a toy wrestling, it comes with a, a ring, a pair of steps, a table, a chair, 
<laughs> right. He didn't come on the table with the chairs that had none of those accessories. There was an accessory back then. You know, there was only, I was lucky if you had two guys go with it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. How, while trash can and the table that they're all part of wrestling, you know? Yeah. There's a Kendall of Hardy getting that toy too. Yeah. Well, they're a part of the, they're a part of wrestling. They'll, you, you, you can't pick it out now. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? Exactly. And you agree. Because I remember when I did, well, when 1994, Big wanted me to come in for the Royal Rumble. And I wanted to do it, but Paul Hannah didn't want me to. And I just started working with Paul. Oh, oh. And I said, come on, let me do it, but give me five grand. And then he goes, well, just tell them no. Just tell them no. I'll give you a raise all that. And he never did. But but anyway, then I said to Brad Patterson, no, I can't do it. He goes, this side, they don't let you break the table yeah, yeah, even how whole nonsense it is. I think it's not nonsense, but thank you. I'll call you back. I said, Paul, but you're not going to go to Boom, 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 boom. He said, just tell him no. Don't even call him back. Just tell him no. Don't tell me it and don't even call him back. I said, okay. So I called the manager. I can't do it. And he goes, okay, goodbye. And that was that. Now, then, I, then five years later, I see Vince walking through the ring for a table match. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was no table match before I was the, before he got paid. You know what I mean? Right. It was the first thing of, of the table in a match or a table match. You know, it was so funny how, how he would criticize me, uh, how I was killing the business, and then he'd go and does one. Does the table right. make it more ridiculous, you know? Same, walk, carrying a table to, to the ring for Dudley, and then Shane carried the table to the ring for the Dudley's, for a Dudley table match, I mean. Right. Right. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. He criticized me, and then he'd, you know, something like that, you know. When I did a uh, one-night stand, the first one, he goes, uh, boom, boom, boom. He goes, what are you going to do tonight? I said, I'm not sure exactly, but boom, 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 bam, 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 whatever. He goes, just break a table. And I'll, no, no, I'll set it up like this. I'll just say, boom, boom, this, that, those things, and then I'll break a table. He goes, no, just break the table. He goes, I bought this, that, the other thing, these, this, that, the thing, come back to the table, and then break it. He goes, no, just break it. Said, okay. So... I went into the map, did this, crap, the other thing, teased it, came back, you know, broke it, and then you go, oh, now I see what you meant. It wasn't just a table break, it was the drama of beating up to the table break. Right. Right. You know, it's not good table break. Table break, I could do it in the first day of the match, you know, nothing, you know, you got in the match, but leading up to it, teasing that, all of that, getting stopped, getting off it, getting all of that, bam, that means more than bam, and a hundred times over, you know. Right, right. Well, and that, that goes down to storytelling, right? Yeah, but I could, he, he, did, he, he couldn't comprehend my vision, and I couldn't explain it right, so I had to show him. Uh, and you know, not, then I showed him, and he agreed. Now, after that, he didn't like you doing it, and he wanted everybody else to do it. What do you think it was about ECW that the fan just really spot into? What is the, well, because we, we, we went outside the guidelines. You know, you're not supposed to go into the crowd, you went into the crowd. You're not supposed to really punch, we really punch. You're not supposed to use her chair. We really use her chair. You're not supposed to use the table. We use the table. You know what I mean? Yeah. Along, if you're not supposed to blow a whistle, we blow a whistle. Right. You know, whatever, you know you're not allowed to raise your hand. We raise your hand anyways. You know? And and a lot of those guys used the balcony too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, I didn't use it very much. I didn't like it to go too, too far from the ring, too far from uh, of a stretch for to make a believe in world wrestling, you know, on that balcony jump on the guy and get big leaps to to um, down the face lot and all, or you know, I didn't like that. 
I don't, I didn't mind jumping from the top rope anywhere along the, you know, 10 people in the ring, you know. But yeah, the, sometimes we, the, we used the balcony. New Jack used the word anybody. He did, he did a good job at it, but I wasn't a balcony guy. It was too far of a stretch from pro wrestling, from real wrestling. Like in the armature match, he, he had a guy down, you know, kind of balcony and jump at him, stay on him, <laughs> or grab a chair and keep him down. Right. Lying in the balcony or jumping up, it's kind of ridiculous. But standing from the top rope and jumping on somebody, not, not as far fetched or as ridiculous as jumping up the balcony. I know, for Hanky Jiggy, the normal wrestling, then the, 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 the balcony is what's done. The whole top rope is the wrestling maneuver. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when ECW sold and you guys, uh, when, I guess when it kind of merged into the WWE, even when it was ECW, did it feel like WWE? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was terrible. Yeah, it was a lot of, like, guys in the restroom to tell on my behavior or our behavior. You know, like, if we got mad about something or something, or we said something under our breath, it, it gave back to them or to Johnny, Johnny Hayes. And uh, that was always so so much tension. And no, nobody was on the same team. Everybody was jealous of each other. Nobody was fighting for the same for the same cause. You know, ECW we all fought for the same cause. We all were part of that faith group. Every one of us. You know, even the guy that took the ring out. Yeah. So, so you really felt like the the uh, the tension, maybe maybe some jealousy or some. Now, not many like, doesn't jealousy, that that could have, because, you know, they, it started new ECW in the Bubby Louie, then the guys are already there with Mad and job scared. They were let somebody go. They let a lot of guys go. They did. You know, not my fault. They let me go eventually. <laughs> but then, when we first got to, yeah, we, we had uh, a lot of smiles in the dressing room because, you know, one in, one out, you know, 10 guys in, 10 guys out, you know. You know, every five guys, they got a player five guys. Even with all the throws that they had? Yeah, because, you know, ECW by itself, but WWE didn't draw that good. We, we, we do back with SmackDown. And everything always fell out. Didn't develop very much. Okay. Like that one, he did good when he was one arm with Raw, before Raw or after Raw. Because our was uh, was the tape was alive. So we did, we'd do it on Tuesdays or Mondays or something. I forgot what it was. But uh, they, they were taped. I think we did them on Fridays, and they, they drew them on Tuesday. And and when you guys went up to WWE, the ECW guys, you and your ECW friends, when you guys went up to WWE, was the, the style of wrestling, do you think the WWE guys had a uh, troubles or an issue keeping up with you guys? No, they stole all our shit. They stole my shit so much. Uh, when I did a spot where I ran and jumped off the chair and did a kick, they said, I can't do that no more. I go, why not? He go, that's Jeff Hardy's spot. I said, no, no, no I offended that. He go, not here, you didn't. So, hey, table spots I couldn't do, someone else was already doing them. The deadlies, you know. You know, the deadlies are the deadlies you guys. But, uh, yeah, and they were there before me, so they got dipped at the table. And, and sometimes there wouldn't even be a table broken on the like ECW SmackDown, uh, Taping, there wouldn't be no cables broken, none. And then how's that ECW? Not, not, not even one table broken. Like, Lucy ignored them. The next week they'd have like five tables broken, one after another. They, they, they took my eye spot and, 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 and shit it out and looked like they didn't even do it. They, they did it and shit it out. <laughs> they did it look like shit. 
you mentioned a little bit ago that, you know, eventually WWE uh, let you go and, you know, you moved on. But, I mean, was it almost like a blessing in disguise? No. Yes and no. I mean, the the, the most money I ever made, you know, that one year, the most I made probably my whole career probably. And, uh, you know, money-wise, I, I should have tried to stick it out. But for, for me to be proud of myself, I had to go. I was really, really fired. I quit and fired. I forced it to fire because I had enough. You know, I didn't want to walk out. And then I wanted them to say, get out. And they did. Before uh, the Elimination Chamber, it was the December show, uh, pay for you. And Cousin uh, Man gave me a uh, script to read. And I laughed at you joking. And she goes, no, no, read it. So I read it. And then, and with all these words out there, I'm thinking I'm reading a script for somebody else. Who's this for? What are you for you? And go, who's saying his words? He goes, you are. I go, no, I'm not. I said, I've never said these words before in my life. I said, so she goes, just read it. So I did run the camera. So I'm reading it. She goes, stop, stop, stop. Well, stop it, you're reading it. I said, I am reading it. I wouldn't say, how about this? So I picked up paper and I crumbled it up and walk out. I popped back in. Well, how was that? You know, going to be a rebel. She goes, no, do it again. I said, I'll be right back. And I just thought I didn't come back. And then um, the next day, she had me do an angle. I didn't know about it, but it broke my arm. It took me out to the and I didn't know they did that. They got the interview. I was installed with an angle, and uh, it took me out to the so I, Oh, wow. Yeah. And they still advertised me and still put me on the cover of the BUD. I have people looking at me today, uh, this week, say, hey, what, what about that elimination chamber you can show up for? But that, <laughs> I showed up, and they didn't want me there. So I go home, and they don't bring me back to the pay per view. <laughs> you know, I thought they were going. I didn't know I, that was the ideal. I was need to get up. Maybe with the brick in my arm. I didn't know that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. I said, no, I need. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was it's so funny, though, over that promo. Because of that promo. Because I wouldn't get the promo. It was kind of like they were showing you who the boss was. Yeah. You see, and I, 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 I was hoping they were saying, you're so bad at this promo, don't say anything. But they wouldn't. They kept saying, do it again or say it better. And say something. I, I, I can't do that. I said, it's not me, and uh, I, I, I can't do it. It's too much work. You're not paying me enough. Although they were paying me enough. I, not really. You know, they were paying me millions of dollars. But, uh, and talking is a difficult job for me. Like, even now, I'm stuttering on my words, but I'm not a very good verbalizer. Uh, so I don't try to fake it. So, so my reference is almost no talking. I'm going to say buck or ouch or move or help. You know, uh, I won't cut crumbles because I know I'm no good at it. And uh, it's my character now. Not everybody can have that character, but I do. They, they want to take that away from me. Who well, did that thing from me? You need to, they said, you not the head up. I go, can I have a manager talk for me? They said, that's lobby gimmick. I said, I didn't do it before lobby board. He said, not here, you have it. <laughs> now, what can I do? Dollar shows them I'm so bad at cutting promos. That they will pay both in other words they have to do it again. I had to go hide. And a couple times we had I I recorded a live live promo with live live on raw and I didn't do it. They couldn't find me. I had to know live live. I had to pin the paper and go, no, it's not a, a take the live, it's a live live. Like he's setting the way. And no one Yeah, I was in the airport, they're mad. Uh how French. Rather got over that, but they didn't get over it. Yeah, they want me to call a promo. They want me to tell a, a, a verbal, verbal promo 
uh, live, live on Raw, and uh, I, I can't do it. It's not me, and I'm straight to death. You know, I watched some of those promos that they they have these these people. I think if they just let the wrestlers go out there and be themselves like they did back in the 80s, right? Well, yeah, that's how you find out who's that best at what. Or is best at something, you exploit it. If you're not good at something, hide it, you know? Right. And I'm not good at the doctor, so hide, let's hide that. We, I hit it my whole life, let's hide it some more, you know? Ben said he wanted me to, to be a friendly baby face. You know, I walked out on this from the promo also. Yeah, so I'll be right back and then I'll win this one. I'm surprised they didn't have you come out on the camel. <laughs> I'd rather have done that, but that would have been pretty bad too. <laughs> I mean, I've done that. You know, I don't want to talk. I, I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to. It's not good for my gender. It's not good for me. It's not good for the. Hey, I know you got to get up early tomorrow, so I'm going to ask yeah. you a couple questions about the book that you did with Kenny Casanova. What was that process like, and and how do you think uh, the final product came out? Really, I had to feel the pain I have. You know, yeah, I had to talk. We, I think we talked over the phone, the phone for about a year or more, year and a half. And uh, I never read the final, final copy. And I got eaten over it because it said something about Jim Ross and Aaron, something about Dusty Rhodes and a few other people. What I forgot to tell him to leave out, but he put in there. And he got wrong. You know, Warden both mentioned them, and when, when he did, he mentioned them as the wrong way. The story he said about that, that I said about them was well, oh no, well, wasn't even close. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, I got an eat for that. But I, I tell everybody, I told Jim Love, I didn't even read it, man. I'm sorry. He goes, I didn't read either. <laughs> you didn't read either. <laughs> Your dad apologized to you. I didn't either. <laughs> you know what? I, I since I've I've been writing books too. I mean, I know that it's it's a process. I know it. It was a it was a pain in the ass, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm working on one right now, and and I'm in it, and it it's taken me a little longer than I would like to just to to kind of get the the story the way I want it, you know, or the way it needs to be. Right on. How did you like Sabu and the Three Little Pigs? Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was funny shit. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty clever. None of that was like, you know, none of my artwork or even storyline. It, it was just my character, but that was cool. And, and he put on a super genius, a camel in there, a female camel. Right. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. I, did. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't tell them to do that either. Well, uh, they, they, they did that around, so I was a bit, a bit surprised. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it, it it turned out it turned out good, man. It I liked it. I'm gonna ask you this, Sabu. Ten, fifteen years from now, twenty years from now, when people are going through the history books, what what would you like your legacy of pro wrestling to be, man? I don't know more than a hardcore wrestler, that's for sure. I, I you know I I can't say well you know it, let the cards fall where they may, but. When they say I'm just a hardcore wrestler, I, I consider it an insult. If you don't know any better, don't buy it. Don't matter. Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> you're one hell of a killman. Thank you. Yeah, you're one hell of a killman, and I'll, I'll tell you this. You know, like I, like I said earlier in the conversation, you know, it was 
your uncle and it was the two burgers and it was you that you know like wow you know i might not believe wrestling but i believe in you guys right on man i appreciate that so hey i want to thank you for coming on the show i want to thank you for everything that you've done for pro wrestling and you know what I know you don't like to do podcasts, but if you ever want to do another one with me, man, I enjoyed the heck out of talking with you. I'd like to do it again, man. All right, man. If I ever uh, like to do it, I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. All right, Sabu. Well, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. See you on the road. You're listening to the Wrestleville Podcast, where wrestling lives. The Pro Wrestling Vault. 35 short stories including Harley Race, Barrett Brown, Ricky Morton, Wardell Walker, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 400 photos from the independent scene. Get your book today by going to Russellville.com. Russellville. It's where wrestling lives. lives.